The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you comfortable discussing money and your personal wealth? If not, where would you start? Is it money and your family, money and charitable contributions, or business and personal wealth? This is Conversations with Money, featuring your hosts, Franco Caligiuri and Marissa Sipolinski. Our show is about real people talking about money. You will develop a better understanding about your conversations with money and also hopefully develop some new habits to make conversations about money easier. Now, here is Franco and Marissa. Welcome. You're listening to Conversations with Money. I am your host, Franco Caligiuri. And I am your host, Marissa Sepulinski. Our show is about, uh, well, we actually, it's not about, we actually talk about money. We talk about our relationship with money, our interaction with money. And once in a while, we, mean, we usually say it's about money. Yeah. It's not really about money. It's not about money. It's about yeah. having a conversation. But once in a while, we do talk about sex whenever Marissa gets into that <laughs> mode. And you were throwing me under the bus in less than five seconds on air. I appreciate that. Right <laughs> well, how's the, how's the view under the bus? How's it look? Does it look good? It's looking great. <laughs> well, once in a while, I mean, you get into that, you throw it in. and uh, I think it's an interesting... Inter- Conversation piece, and I think it's related to money. Well, it is, but, but I want to talk. That's not what the show is no, about today. No, it's not about sex. On focus. It's about money. I know. I'm very excited about our I show like today. <laughs> so today, Ooh, you threw me off. Okay. There. I'm actually quite excited about today's guests that we have. We have a husband and wife, but they're very unique. And if you've been following us, you'll know who's uh, who the guests are today. But I want to ask you a question, Marissa. How old are you? 34. 34. Are you allowed to ask that? I don't think that should be allowed. I thought you were 35. Oh, I'm turning 35. You're yeah. turning, because last show I think you said 35. I want to ask you, when you were younger, did you have dreams of becoming an athlete, a professional athlete, an athlete where you got paid? Uh, no, <laughs> definitely did not. Um, that's a funny question. Did I have dreams of becoming a professional athlete? No, I was actually very not athletically inclined. Um, it just wasn't even an option or wasn't even a consideration. I, I sort of was the kid in phys ed that I enjoyed running around, but I was more, I was artsy. I liked numbers. I liked people and I liked, I liked talking, as you know. No, and, come on. Yeah, I know. Hard you lie. Don't I, lie to I people. I running around the soccer field, actually, like talking more to my girlfriends than getting to the ball. And so I used to get in trouble for my gym teacher and uh, just for talking too much and not being focused, which... Oh, you're so one of those people. I got into it later in life, but I was, as a child, not very, not very involved. Why do you ask? Well, today's guest that we have, uh, we have professional athletes. We actually have athletes that have competed at the highest level. And so I just want to ask that question because not a lot of people actually have the opportunity to pursue that or actually have interest in pursuing a career in uh, athletics or be you know, pursuing that particular field. Mm-hmm. I know for myself, people would ask me that question 
you know, I played uh, soccer myself. What? Like, did you ever consider being a professional athlete? Well, they they say, you know, because I really love playing soccer, and oh, they would right. ask, you know, is that something that I wanted to continue to pursue? Mm-hmm. And I would say, don't know. Actually, I wanted to own the soccer team <laughs> instead of actually did. instead of actually playing. Of course. For me, business is what I really enjoyed. Even though I enjoyed um, playing sports and playing a team sport and soccer, being Italian, it was something that you're automatically put in. It was either that. Well, in Canada, it's either soccer or hockey, but my parents took the most, uh, the cheapest route, <laughs> you know, soccer, all you need was a cleat, some cleats, and that was it, and, and off I went. But today, you know, it, it's, um, I'm excited to, to talk to these, uh, to our two guests, because they did pursue a life and a career, actually, in professional sports, and at a very high level. And we have one of our guests that just joined us right now. And the Hi, other, Ashley. <laughs> Hello. Welcome, Ashley. Thank you. Nice to see you guys. Um, well, why don't, you, why don't you share a little bit about who our guest is, who Ashley is, sure. a little background of Ashley, that way I our listeners Ashley know. I a few different bios of you, Ashley. I wasn't sure which to use at first. Um, Ashley is age 30. Correct. Last year. Ian, you, didn't, you didn't ask for permission. <laughs> you, you, and you give me headache when I ask uh, your you age. My age. <laughs> <laughs> Newly retired Canadian ski cross Olympic champion, currently residing in Whistler and Vancouver, as the first gold medal winner of women's ski cross in its Olympic debut at the 2010 Winter Games. Ashley has a very interesting story to tell about growing up in a small town with Whistler and being hurtled into the world stage for Canada's home games. That sounds, that sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like you. <laughs> Were you reading that from a piece of paper? It sounded like you're reading from a piece of paper. Come on, why don't you share the Ashley that you know when when you and I have had conversations in the past? What you shared was the passion that you saw. Yeah. With Ashley, so why don't you share that? Just forget about this. Here, I'm going to throw this away. For sure, and I think it's funny. Originally, when Ashley and I talked, one of the big pieces uh, that intrigued me was talking about how your love for the sport changed uh, as your as your passion became your work <laughs> and as more and more was on the line and it became more money related the passion slowly fizzled it sounded like to some degree or it changed yeah and when money came off the table it sounded I'm gonna let you share the story actually <laughs> would you want to just tell us a little bit about how you got into how do you start this? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I grew up in Whistler, so I was pretty much on skis as soon as I was able to walk, maybe even a bit earlier. Okay. And um, it wasn't until I was in my early 20s where I actually started earning a living doing what I loved, uh, racing ski cross. So it's, uh, when you talk about pursuing a career in athletics, I think uh, it's, it's even broader in that some people are able to pursue a career in whatever their passion may be. And certainly your attitude toward it does change when it becomes your job. Mm-hmm. Um, the pressure changes and expectations of, uh, you know, people around you change. And, um, I think that, I mean, it was, it was certainly, it was part of why I, I guess, stopped loving it quite mm-hmm. as much. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was one of many contributing factors. Like, there were also a lot of other things. Um, but I definitely, when I did start making money, uh, ski racing I, I in a sense felt like I deserved it <laughs> like yeah I worked really you worked hard. really yeah. hard to get to that point and put a lot of time and energy in and a lot of money in mm-hmm. and um 
yeah, I, I felt like it was sort of warranted. Like mm-hmm. I deserved to be in a position where I was able to call that my my job. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does, it, it, I mean, especially being on a national ski team and you're representing your country, mm-hmm. uh, it becomes very structured. And so I mean, it starts to feel more like a job yeah. when there are people putting money into it. Yeah. Um, and all sorts of other forms of support. Did that change when you would wake up in the morning and you would, you know, get dressed to go to work? How did that, how did your feelings and emotions around it change as it became, uh, you know, as more was on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As that developed, what was it like for you? Well, I remember the first time I actually raced in a, in a professional race, like on the pro circuit. Uh, I had raced Alpine for years, which mm-hmm. is traditional ski racing, you know, where you go left, right, left, right, one at a time against the clock. Um, I'd switched into ski cross where we race four at a time head-to-head over big jumps and bank turns. and uh, The first race that I competed in where there was prize money on the line uh, was really different for me. And I, I typically wasn't one of the athletes who, you know, crash or ski out of the course and then get really mad and, like, whack my pole against the snow. <laughs> I love watching those people. And I found myself doing that in my first in my first pro race. Really? Because um, I, I, I can't even remember what the prize money would have been, maybe somewhere between two and $5,000. And uh, I was in the lead. I won the, the qualifiers. How old were you? The time trials. I was 19. Okay. And I, I blew out of the course and had a, I mean, a pretty mellow crash, but a spectacular exit from the course. <laughs> right. And uh, I was so mad. I just all I could think about was how I just lost thousands of dollars by failing to complete my run. Right. But so, but what what would have that represented? So if you won, what would that have represented for you? Nothing other than the money. <laughs> so that money, like uh, at that time, how far yeah. would that uh, take you? Right. Right. Yeah. Good question. Uh, really far. I was I was working hard at that time um, in the off season. I was actually working for a nucle- nuclear physicist in Whistler. And well, look who just strolled in. Was, is that are those smoothies? I'm gonna bring something. I'm gonna be late. I better be bringing. Smoothies. I like that you gave Ashley the almost. Oh, where, where's ours? Where are ours? You know what? I thought about that on the way up. Too, and I was like, well, I don't know. That's okay. I'm That's happy okay. drinking my ginseng. <laughs> oh, so how are we? Did yeah, I miss I was, anything? I was just mm. talking about. Um, yeah, no, finish your thought at the end. Mm-hmm. About my first race that I actually competed in, where prize money was on the line. Yeah. And uh, I blew out of the course and didn't finish. And uh, Franco was asking what that represented to me, like the, the money I missed out on. And uh, I was, yeah, I was basically working 14-hour days in the off season, just banking time and money so that I could go and compete through the winters. And uh, that prize money would have gone really far. So it was like it was just a whole added component to mm-hmm. the competitive side of, of ski racing. Mm-hmm. Um, money became a factor, but I do remember shortly after that. Uh, talking to some TV host saying, like, this is so awesome. And I was actually earning prize money in most of the races I went in. I was saying, I would be doing this if it were costing me money, mm-hmm. for sure. And I'm having all this fun, and I'm actually earning money doing it. So it was, it was a positive shift when I did end up uh, in a position to make a living pursuing my passion. How did, I'm curious, I was, I, how did it affect, um, I've talked to different athletes about performance anxiety. Um, I'm not sure how that played in for you, but once more money started to uh, show up or was on the line, mm-hmm. did you, I choke more often? <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I mean, I don't even know if choke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like it's hard to tell because you know we have known you can't play the same situation yeah. out twice without money. Yeah. Um, but I, did yeah. it add more, you know, 
fear, pressure, obviously to some degree it, it was playing into it. Yeah, I was always very careful to make sure that it didn't have a negative effect. Mm-hmm. Um, so even going into the Olympics that season, um, I made sure I had everything else in place so that I would be okay if I didn't earn any money that season. Mm-hmm. And any money I did earn would be a bonus. Um, and I certainly thought of what I would spend money I might earn mm-hmm. on. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it wasn't like I was not going to be eating if I didn't win races. And I actually set a lot of my sponsorship deals up so they were uh, heavier on the retainers and lower, uh, you know, lower victory incentives because I didn't like that pressure of mm-hmm. having to <laughs> perform to earn. Um, I'd rather, you know, have somebody commit to even a, a lower number that's a flat fee than um, potentially go and earn more money if I do well. Because um, I felt like I wouldn't do as well if I had that added pressure. Right. Um, but I think that that's something as, as an athlete you do um, learn how to cope with. Yeah. And I was just kind of new to the whole concept of earning money doing what I loved. Yeah. Um, that's why I structured those that way. But um, Can I ask you a question just on what you just talked about right there with sponsorship how 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 does one determine the value or when you sign a contract the value of the money to earn on the sponsorship yeah this is something i'm so curious about because everybody's got different sponsorships and there's different companies and how do you know what to take and what's right and what other people are taking like do you talk to other do athletes talk about it to other athletes or um, a little bit. I mean, you're not supposed to. <laughs> All these agreements are supposed to be very confidential. But Who says um, you're not supposed to? Well, I mean, it says right in the contract oh, you okay. sign. <laughs> you're not allowed to disclose. You can't be more clear than that, Marissa. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it also helps when um, a lot of agents that yeah. like, act on other athletes' behalf, they just kind of know what, this, what the general industry standard is for mm-hmm. X player that wants certain deals or whatever, you know, like, if you're a, uh, an up-and-comer, but you haven't had too many major victories yet, and too much, but you show a lot of promise, you know that's one category. Mm-hmm. Have you been a pro for seven years, generally in the top ten of, in the world at something, mm-hmm. or you know, or the starting on your soccer team every week and, and producing for your team every week? You know, there's then there's those guys, and then there's the upper echelon, the guys that are going to demand the high the high numbers, and guys that they're going to use for their marketing campaigns and be the faces of their of their brands and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So I think it's all categorized, basically. And, and, and generally, between athletes or between the agents that represent them, you can usually get a general feel of where you're at. Yeah, and that was going to be my, my <laughs> response. Is, uh, that's why we pay our agents 20% of <laughs> those fees. Is right, to be on top to, of that. Yeah, and you have to, I mean, I have to, I justify that. And assuming that my agent always got me at least 20% more than I would have right. negotiated for myself. <laughs> and, that, and that's true in, in, in Ashley's, in, in a lot of individual sports, but in team sports, a lot of times you, you pay the agent's fee right up front and that's it. And then they take a lot less for your endorsement deals. So right. maybe because they, they get your big contract, which again is individual sport, a lot of it's based on, you know, whether you're on the podium or not, right. you get your big bonuses and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, most team sport athletes, they're just a contract. So you sign your four-year deal, this is how much you get your base salary, a couple win bonuses that aren't very much, and then you do stuff like that. But then the agent, they do the big deal, of course, for your multi-year contract. So they that's where they get most of your money from, from us as team athletes, mm-hmm. not much for the endorsement side, maybe 5%, 10% tops usually for or for somebody that's more contractual-based than, uh, uh, than, than individual that's always been something that's fascinated me about Jay's attitude toward money in comparison to mine 
is he feels like he performs better when there are higher bonuses, when his contract is structured with um, like higher victory incentives or start win bonuses mm-hmm. in his case. Um, whereas, as I mentioned, I feel like uh, that would be a negative in my world. I, I would sort of, I wouldn't mm-hmm. appreciate that added pressure. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, most, most, most of my contracts have been uh, performance-based contracts. Lower base salary, but then, you know, higher win bonuses or if I make uh, the all-star team or, Replace you know, certain number if I start, injury. if I, I get a start bonus. So every time we, I actually start a game, I get a bonus because that means I'm playing. And if I'm playing, then I deserve this much. And I think that's a fair way to tier contract if I'm playing every week and I'm performing for my team I should get paid higher mm-hmm. you know but if, if I for instance I have a four-month injury and I don't get those four months of starts that's fine I'm still getting a decent base salary but you know I'm not I'm, I, I, I think that's fair because if I'm not playing then I'm not giving my true worth even though I know you know people will say well that's part of the job so if you do get injured you shouldn't take anything away from your contract but you know Again, if I'm playing and, and I get a better contract, then I think it evens itself out. So I think a lot of times it's up to the individual. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, We're going to be going to a break here. I'm sorry to uh, cut you off, Marissa. we got uh, a couple minutes before we go into a break. Uh, now, if you are... You're cutting me off. I'm cutting you off. you off. <laughs> That's, That's it. Because I am your only host on this show. <laughs> no. Uh, if you're on Twitter, uh, make sure that you're following us uh, or following us on this conversation at Your Money Matters. Now, there's no E in the matters. We like to make things different. So it's M-A-T-T-R-S. Or you can go to our website, and our website is www.capitalcorefinancial.com. Or you can like us on Facebook, uh, and that's Capital Core Financial. You're reaching over, Marissa. What's up? I was just going to tell you, also, we never gave the phone number and the email if you want to do that as well. Would you like to do that? Well, no, you're the only host, so I was going to let you do it. <laughs> oh, come on now. <laughs> and if you want to get Look, involved we'll in the conversation, sex, all right? you, okay. oh, I'm not talking about <laughs> sex. It's going to give the email address. Yes. I'm making Jane Ashley awkward right now. The email, if you want to get involved in the conversation, is info at capitalcorefinancial.com, or you could call in at one 866-472-5790. Now, we come back on the other side there. Oh, that's very cute. You're sharing a smoothie. That's <laughs> <laughs> very cute. <laughs> when we come back uh, on the other side, love to continue to explore this conversation about being an athlete and our show is about money. So we're going to dive a little bit into that. So we'll see everybody on the other side. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. 
We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Conversations with Money with Franco Caligiuri and Marissa Sipolinski. To reach our show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to info at capitalcorefinancial.com. Now, back to Conversations with Money. Welcome back. I'm your host, Franco Caligiuri. And I'm your host, Marissa Sepolinski. Now, if you're wondering who that voice was, the male voice that came in about 10 minutes uh, into the show, that is Jay Demerit. Jay Demerit, if you are a soccer fan, you'll know who I'm talking about. Uh, but a little background of Jay. Jay is uh, from Green Bay, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And you represented uh, the U.S. and you played with the international squad. And you, you also were in the 2010 uh uh, World Cup, which uh, must have been fantastic in yes. South Africa there. What was that like, South Africa? Was that your first time going there? Uh, well, we were there for a, uh, the Confederations Cup the year before that. So it was okay. the summer of 2009 and 2010 in South Africa. Oh, so perfect. I, I did know it a little bit, but I think that was probably a three-week three trip that we were there. And we got to the final of the Confederations Cup the year before against Brazil. So oh, we, wow. we, had, we had some pretty good times on South African soil. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I was rooting for you guys. I was rooting for you guys because in Canada, you know, we don't have an international yeah, team. So, we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. Mm-hmm. One day, maybe 20 years. Maybe less. I think you could make a World Cup in the next three runs. Yeah? 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 We, you think we got enough good international or young? Not yet, but you will. There's some good young Canadians yeah, coming through. Oh, yeah? That's yeah. good. That's good to hear. You heard it here at first, everybody. <laughs> uh, but more importantly, for me as a... Uh, supporter of the local MLS team that we do have, the Whitecaps, uh, you were the, the, the first captain. What, yes. And uh, you were the captain up until you announced your retirement uh, last season. Yeah, mid-season last year. And uh, so here you are. Welcome. Welcome Thank to you. our show. Thank we're excited to have both of you here. Uh, Glad both, to be here. Yeah, both of you have represented uh, your sports at a very high level. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, for us, we're very interested to, to hear your take on, on money and, and management of money. And, and uh, you shared actually a little bit about uh, when you were kind of working your way up in the sports. Uh, and then you talked a little bit about sponsorship. And that's where, Jay, that's where you came in. Yep. Uh, but maybe maybe we can uh, step back a little bit and and, um, and just look at both of you together because now both of you are married. And what, if you don't mind me asking, what, what was it like to get into a partnership, a marriage, and start to look at money and start sharing money together as a household? Uh, because both of you both manage it your own way, but then having to bring it together. Who wants to start? Uh, well, it's been interesting just uh, most recently with Jay's retirement from professional sport. Um, I obviously transi- transitioned out of it uh, a few years before Jay did. Um, and I had transitioned out of it and back into it and out of it and back into it um, twice over the years uh, before this third retirement from my sport. Um, so it was a bit more familiar to me. But this is really Jay's first time not having a guaranteed salary in how many years? <laughs> Twelve. So um, it's I, I, the one thing I do notice that differs in our attitudes toward it is that, um, you know, I, I kind of... I, I figure out all the, the bookkeeping and I have my Excel spreadsheets and my accounting software and 
And uh, I'm I, like, my mentality is always like, okay, now that we don't have any, like, you know, however much guaranteed to come in in the next year or two years, three years, whatever, um, you know, we need to start spending less. <laughs> and Jay's, Jay's kind of the opposite, where he goes, well, no, we just need to find more ways to earn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Gotta start working more. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get to work. Come it's a, a very uh, common behavior pattern that we talk about a lot, especially on the show with female-male dynamic, because I think as women, we generally uh, revert more to secure within our means, looking at that, and men generally tend to look, how can I make more Mm -hmm. to make that bar higher? Mm -hmm. Well, and I think when you've been in a position where you've um, worked really hard over the years to end up, um, like I said, in a position to earn money quite, um, relatively speaking, more easily than Mm -hmm. people who are plugging away at their Mm -hmm. nine-to-fivers or whatever it may be. it's it's easier to spend money <laughs> than it would be for them. Right. Well, life is just a bit looser as well, if you know mm-hmm. what I mean. Like you end up just because of your job in general as an athlete, you travel a lot, so you don't really, you can't really. It's harder to keep track of your schedule because right. it's so random. You're in, you're in, you know, uh, for a game at, for your club, and then all of a sudden you're you're traveling in Mexico or or you know, all in a week, and you don't know. I don't do a good job of keeping, you know care of my expenses and stuff yeah. like that. I'm doing more That's now. Right, I'm doing I'm it better. Yeah. You know, I am. And she, she's been a great influence on, 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 on me being more aware of it. But uh, uh, but it's, I guess we're both kind of risk takers and that's, you know, when you have, like we count on the sporadic income continuing to. Well, you just have confidence that you, you yeah. know, the good thing about being an athlete, again, there's a lot of, because it is loose, yeah. you, there's a lot of different ways you can make money, whether it's through your brands, whether yeah. it's through appearances, whether it's through your performances mm-hmm. as an athlete itself. It's, you know, there's lots of different ways you can you can make money. Sure. It's not just this is my job. Right. You know, like there there is literally we probably both wear about five or six hats as far as in how we make income right. throughout a year, or twelve or twenty. <laughs> Did you always have that? Were you were you always that way going into sports, or was that is that something that you sort of creatively started to build and expand as you started to look towards retirement as a professional athlete? I've always been a lot more focused on the things I do for fun than I have been on working and earning money. <laughs> okay. Yeah, me and too. Me too. looking yeah. back on it, I've realized that a lot of the things I did for fun in turn earned me money and were actually indirectly preparing me to um, you know, have success in my sport. Um, I just, I'm good at convincing myself that hard work in the gym isn't actually work or hard work you know, on the hill isn't right. actually work. Yeah. Um, but I think that, um, yeah, I've, I've, we've both always kind of had it. Uh, yeah. relatively free spirited like you yeah know, I think optimistic. I think spending is variable just like mm-hmm. a lot of different things you can right. you know if, if you have if you've had a good month or you've won a couple races or you know, I've had some good win bonuses mm-hmm. or something like that we'll go out and splurge a little you know but then all of a sudden it's like oh we got this bill we, this car needs to get fixed or we need to buy this this thing or put this down payment down and it's mm-hmm. like okay we let's let's back it off for this mm-hmm. month or too, you know, like mm-hmm. I think I think that's kind of how we both generally do. I know that's how I live, and I have always lived ever since I've started to make money. It's like when it's going really well, enjoy it. And when mm-hmm. it's not, just make sure you, you have enough in your net to save you if you need to, so you can start again. You know, I, I don't know. I kind of I kind of try to give myself two two failures before I need or I would go broke mm-hmm. because that gives me two more chances to try, to try again and get it back. If you know what I mean. Like I don't let the net go too far, right. but uh, I, I kind of. Make sure that if I fail, I have enough that I can try again. Did you hopefully be- twice? Speaking <laughs> of, of the net, this this failure or backup plan. So was that sort of your contingency plan? Like you always believed that you just 
Um, I'm always curious about contingency plans. As well, yeah, I, I think uh, it, well, in my invest, in investments as as an individual, I've been pretty diversified. You know, you're talking real estate, technology companies, mutual funds, and uh, you know, a general. <laughs> Bars. I was watching Ashley's face as you were talking about investments. Yeah. Well, you, you, you need to have the service industry as part of your portfolio. Yes, you know, of everyone's going to have to try to bar the restaurant. Absolutely. It's, and it's kind of cool yeah. saying, I, I own a bar. I was wondering what Ashley was trying not to say. Unfortunately, I didn't live in the city at the time, so I didn't even get the benefits of owning a bar. But, right. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, that didn't work. But again, that diversification makes me, uh, you know, again, not lose my shirt on everything because right. I didn't put them all into one. One area. So is there a set percentage uh, that you set aside that, that you have that you go, okay, 10%, 20%, because rule of thumb is 10%, but do you go 20%, 30% saying this is what we set aside as a uh, safety net? Yeah, I don't, really, uh, I don't really do percentages. It was usually like when his... Uh-huh. When my, what can I afford, basically? Yeah. What can I afford? So I got this, right. I got this, this is, this is what I got. And this good friend who I really trust... Uh, could use my help. I feel like that's kind of been your pattern. Yeah, in my investments. Yeah, yeah. usually it's trying to help up, up buddies, but like in yeah. joint ventures where I just become an owner of the company. Right. As some an of it's worked out well. Yeah, some of it has, well, potentially. <laughs> I haven't actually gotten anything out of the technology side of, of, of what I've been <laughs> investing in for the last seven years, but. Um, but you may. <laughs> but I may. I haven't mm-hmm. lost a lot of money yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. And again, that's all like good. your point is you don't, you'd never invest anything that you. Did the change did your when did your relationship with money for either of you change when you came together when you got married? Um I think when you merge different ideas and now become a couple, like yeah. there's always gonna be that well, I don't do that with my finances and mm-hmm. I do, you know, like it's just kind of a thing. So I think it's just about continuously trying to figure out which part works and which part doesn't as a, as a couple. Mm-hmm. You know, because even if it didn't, if it worked for you as an individual, it might not work for you as mm-hmm. a couple. So I think it's just about finding that. And I think we're still, we're still doing that on a daily basis. But I think we're starting to figure out how we are and, and what our roles are in the financial departments. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, I mean, the biggest impact you had on me as far as finances go is um, alleviating that concern that finances would be an issue when I stopped ski racing. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a big part of my decision to stop ski racing. It was a long, drawn-out decision because I'm really bad at making decisions. My teammates all called me the waverer. <laughs> um, yeah, you said earlier that yeah. you retired or you you stopped and then you didn't stop and then you stopped and then you didn't stop and I think it was the third time that you actually retired. Yeah, and so um, the, the reason I came back that third time was mm-hmm. because my sport got put into the Olympics. The Olympics... Um, we're in our, you know, hometown, mm-hmm. Vancouver, Whistler, and uh, it was, um, you know, I was going to be at the pinnacle of, of my career um, in perfect timing for them, yeah. so that's why I came back and, and started competing again after quitting twice before, um, but when I did decide to stop, a big factor was how am I going to continue earning money? And like I said, I felt like I'd finally gotten to the point where all my time and energy and hard work had paid off and I deserved to be earning the money I was earning. And I finally had great sponsorship proposals on the table and it was difficult to even um, fathom walking away from all that that I'd worked so hard for um, with the risk that I wouldn't (laughs) wouldn't be able to make that income up somewhere else. And so I had this huge list of pros and cons, of, you know, with regards to whether I should continue racing or not. And um, basically, when Jay 
um, kind of committed to me. <laughs> like it was, he proposed right before, or right after that, right after. I think so, yes. That's interesting how you he word just, that. He, once he committed to me. Yeah. <laughs> he, just, he just committed to having like that, basically. Right. Okay. He basically said, you know, if, you know, if it doesn't work out financially for the next couple of years when you transition out of competitive skiing, I got gotcha. you. And um, just because I was planning on playing a couple more years, yeah, so I, right. you know, again, you're talking right. guaranteed contracts, so you had that. which I didn't really have uh, <laughs> for one for my this last year uh, because that was uh, through the year of my Achilles, and that was my last year of my previous contract. So right, yeah, because um, you were offered nine months. Yeah, but then yeah. I got uh, I, I ended up coming back and, and being fine for another year, so that was fine. So that was the plan. The plan was okay. Well. You have a couple of years to get your feet uh, yeah. into new pies and whatever, and, and, and kind of get it going. So, yeah, and just eliminating the financial component from the equation. Because mm-hmm. we did, we did sit down at a, at, a, at a sushi restaurant. Yeah. with <laughs> great with place cu- to do with that. With little cue cards and, and, and a marker, and right. said, "Okay, let's uh, let's think of the pros, and then let's think of the cons, and put them in a row." And literally, there was two cards in the pro to keep racing, and it was like money and like. I don't know sponsorship or connections or, or something mm-hmm. like that because those things or like were the great. People counting on me, the people who put so much into it, yeah, supporting me. I didn't want to let them down. And then the rest, the red, <laughs> there was like nine or ten cards in the in the in the con. Like, do the, just stop. You but, know, like, but, but see, a lot of people like would would still do it because of the money, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. So, yeah. so what what made you decide? It was to it was not? like I said, just the elimination of that fear that I wouldn't be able to earn in other ways, and I wouldn't be able to feed myself and. Yeah, I think it just took away the vulnerability. So just Jay's saying, I've got you. Um, in case it doesn't work out, right. I've got you financially. No Don't worry. Um, gave me that confidence to make the transition out of competitive skiing. And then in all reality, I didn't even need him. Like, it was just it was just psychological. It helped like, you see it objectively. Yes. yes. And it, looking back on it, I, I ended up earning even more money than those great sponsorship proposals that had been laid out on the table because I was at home in you know, in the province, in the country, in North America, able to jump at these opportunities as they presented themselves. And um, I, yeah, I mean, I, it was, yeah. I did even better than I would have. So if I could have seen into the future and seen that um, as the alternative to continuing to ski race for money, um, it would have been very appealing, but I wouldn't have taken that risk if Jay hadn't, you know, been my sort of um, safety blanket. Right, <laughs> right. Right. How about yourself, Jay? What, uh, what got you to, to look at Retirement, and when I say retirement, it's it's a it's a little bit of a funny word because you know yeah. how old are you? You're, I certainly you're, have to keep working. I'm 35. <laughs> yeah, you're 35. So, yeah. so you know when you look at that, most people are just start. You know, they're really getting their feet uh, in their career, and they're yeah. they're starting to take off in their career, or their business. Uh, so it's not really retirement. It's just a, a different yeah, phase, now I right? Start a new business. You know, I, I start a new life at 35. It's but again, it you know, uh, soccer players, especially North American soccer players, aren't under that multi-year lucrative contract type stuff you know like soccer players uh you know we have to for the most part work for the for the rest of our lives after we're done hopefully in your career you've made enough money where you can again have a so there's no pension there is but it's nothing that's going to keep you afloat for you know especially living in vancouver for instance but right uh, you know, you, you do have to, uh, you know, especially being sushi. Yes, exactly. <laughs> especially for nights of week. But you know, that being said, uh, that 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 is uh, um, something we're all pretty conscious of too, as we get to the end of our careers. And hopefully, you know, my main goal was to again going back to the di- diversified, uh, you know, portfolio was to while I was making 
money to make sure that not only are you spending it in, in a way that you know could potentially set up something when you need it, um, so that uh, you starting new businesses or mm-hmm. you know uh, you know again trying to get involved in bars or technology companies just to kind of start to spread uh, spread it a little big so then when it, the, the day actually comes because a lot of times with athletes you don't even know if, when it's going to come. Mine came very abruptly. I was probably going to play uh, just the rest of the last season, but you mm-hmm. never know if you're able, willing and able to play. And say, for instance, they had another contract. You know, you never really know. But that being said, it was like I got this injury, and then it was kind of sudden, and it's, I'm, not, I'm never going to play again. Now all of a sudden, it, well, it did kind of get thrust upon us, probably more so than we would have wanted, of course. But uh, again, thankfully, we had a, a little bit. Of a, of a blanket where we could get everything set up but now again I kind of shift my focus as to draw a line under that career and you really got to start again so that means you know work getting back to that work ethic mm-hmm. and, and however whatever you put into being successful as an athlete if you do that into business hopefully you know fingers crossed you maybe you're not successful. as good at business as you are at <laughs> soccer right now at least I'm not but I will be if I hopefully provide the same the same mindset right, right. so that's, that, that's the plan yeah, I think something I loved uh, reading about one of the sites I was reading, I was doing some research, it was the story of perseverance and hard work. And <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was amazing, though, you know, and I thought that was a great description. And I watched your TED where you talked about living in, I think it was an attic, eating peas, I believe. If I, yeah, if beans. I remember correctly, beans. Yeah, beans and, yeah, beans on toast. Good there. <laughs> yeah. like, I would do that anyway. Right? <laughs> we still eat beans on toast. <laughs> but it was, it's such an interesting, I mean, it's an amazing story when you mm-hmm. hear about that. And someone just worked, worked day in, day out. It's perseverance at its, mm-hmm. at its finest. And it's, you know, commitment to a goal and then seeing it through to the point of being the captain of, of the team. Yeah. And so... I'm curious, though, too, when I hear that story, it's like, what was, uh, and I know we only have two minutes until the break, so this is a big question right before the break, right. but okay, I'll be quick. how did your relationship with money change as you went from living in an attic, I believe you had another friend also sharing yep. the space, eating your beans on toast, mm-hmm. to all of a sudden having, you know, the fame and the success, what was your relationship with money? How did it change as that progressed for you? Sure. Uh, well, I, I think, in all honesty, it's just uh, always keeping the attitude of living within your means. Again, you're making $40 a game. You can afford a Snickers bar and a beer on Saturday night. That's about it. You start making, you know, hundred grand a year, you can afford to go out three times a week mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, treat your friends to some, to some uh, you know, to, to some pictures then on Saturday night. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, your bombs hypothetically? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Potentially. Probably. But, uh, yeah, it, it's that. I think for Jason me, it, it's Robert always been that way. <laughs> always been that way. It's, it's just staying within your means and, and pushing it to the limit, of course, but just knowing where you're at at all times. Was that something you learned at, at, at home as a kid? Or? Yeah, I think I've always just been that way. You, 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 you spend what you have. Save what you can. And save what you can. I like that. I right. like that. I yeah. know we're going on to well, a break. Well, we're going to break, and okay. uh, I have some more questions I just want to ask you. But uh, yeah. what we'll do is we'll go on the break, and, and we'll then on the other side, back. yeah, we'll ask you those questions. Okay. So we'll see everybody on the other side. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. 
Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Now there's a new destination for video content, voiceamerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us support you. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Conversations with Money with Franco Calagiri and Marissa Sipolinski. To reach our show today, please call 1 866 472 5790. Again, that's 1 866 472 5790. You may also send an email to info at capitalcorefinancial.com. Now, back to Conversations with Money. Welcome back. Uh, before the break, uh, Jay. Uh, you were talking about the you were you were planning out ahead. You actually were eating be- beans mm-hmm. with toast. Beans and on toast. They still like toast. it. Hey, you know what? I, I was there. I think it cost me about six bucks a week. So <laughs> it, you, think you, about that for budgeting. You make it work. You make oh, yeah. it work, right? So, wh- at what point uh, or what age did you start to to plan into retiring one day? And actually, first of all, did, did you see yourself playing as long as you actually did? Uh, well, the good thing about the leagues nowadays, they do have built-in pension plans into your contracts. Okay. So that's through your players association. So that's a mandatory thing. You do get to set uh, what you put in every month. Right. But, but uh, there is a you know there's a small minimum, but at least you're you, you start something. And that immediately starts to get you thinking, right? Which mm-hmm. is kind of the, your, your first question was, when did you start thinking about it? And you start with, first when you sign your contract. You're like, okay, and then this much is going to come out when, for your pension. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? And they're like, oh, yeah, well, it's a general and minimal mm-hmm. investment that you have to take from your guaranteed contracts every month. X and they amount match that probably, right? right? Sometimes, yeah. Yeah. And then it's so that was they, mandatory. You had no choice. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And, and don't get me wrong. I mean, the minimum isn't that much, but it's still... You know something decent you know? amount, right? And again, so that got me thinking, and then from there, you know, honestly, it was just about things that interested me. Mm-hmm. So oh, this seems like a cool idea. I could maybe help out with that, right? You know what I mean? Like I, I always try to invest in things that I could potentially help out, at mm-hmm. least give my two cents as a so and so called owner of a company. Right. Um, so it was kind of a lot of those things were vested interests, which mm-hmm. is what I had. It's great that you have such an entrepreneurial approach in a, well, a, a contract a, role. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I have a design degree, right? So I come from a creative and kind of brainstorm, brainstorming background. Mm-hmm. Right? So the entrepreneur spirit is already in me, and now it's it's just something that uh, you know, again, 
it's one thing to be an entrepreneur, and this is what I'm learning, but it's another thing to actually be one that's successful and, and actually makes the ideas a reality. Right. And that's, there's a lot of hard work, just like anything, that it goes into. So I'm in the process of figuring that yeah, out Yeah, I was right going to say, by no means have we got it all figured out. <laughs> oh, man, no way. It's a learning process. Yeah. No, Ashley, did, did you have the same opportunity to be able to set money aside that there was a pension pool that you were putting money into? Uh, no, no. I've always had really, um, like I said, just sporadic income. Even when I was competing on the national team, it was, I mean, the, the compensation that comes from the government is, is really, right. really low. Like, you can't live off it. Um, so other than that, it was all just different sponsorship deals and appearance fees and things like that. Um, but I've always, I remember, you know, being sort of, I guess, in my late teens, thinking I wouldn't be able to relax until I owned real estate. And that was always my first goal. Really? So, so, yeah. so, so real estate for you represented safety? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think just from having grown up in a resort town, because like, I grew up in Whistler, um, the people I saw uh, um, having success financially were those who'd been buying and flipping real estate. Of course, that wasn't a, a solid curve over the last right. few years, but... Um, I just felt like the, I mean, the, it's so expensive to rent places there and I just needed to get out of the rental pool and into ownership and I would be able to relax once I did. And then, uh, I bought my first piece of real estate right after the Vancouver Olympics and we've just kept buying real estate. <laughs> It's a bit out of control. <laughs> so, yeah, so but she drives that. You know? she, <laughs> real estate is her, her main interest. And right. You can feel that, though, just by the way she, but she's also very knowledgeable about it, too, right? And that's yeah. a good thing for us as a team. And it's, mm-hmm. it's not just uh, like for investment purposes as far as the asset appreciating, it's, it's, it's rental properties. So um, there will always be renters, there will always be, always be people vacationing in Whistler. Um, you know, if we keep getting snow, if we have <laughs> better years than this one. <laughs> right. Um, so I feel like that's a, a pretty strong market. So, so when you came together, sorry to interrupt, uh, Marissa, but uh, I'll let you. Just let me go ahead. So when you both came in together, so, so you got married, uh, did you have conversations before the actual uh, date that you got married or was it afterwards where you start talking about your goals and, and, and your plans, your dreams, etc.? Regarding oh, I mean, money? Yeah, no, we've always communicated those visions pretty. Yeah, well, and I think uh, in order to have a good relationship, you better be thinking about that stuff before you get yeah, married. Yeah, talking about that. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, uh, yeah, I think it's a, it's a very sensible thing to do is to ask people and to know what that person's like with money before you actually get in, uh, literally in, into bed with them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, right. Um, Marissa's going to jump on this. <laughs> <laughs> she, she's ready. Marissa, Mike is yours. Now you me, Franco. <laughs> You're on. I have a tendency to bring sex yeah. up in the conversation yeah. every time. So you said that. Go ahead. Go with you. It's not me. <laughs> oh, it's all right. I, I forgot what I was talking about. <laughs> You're turning a little shade of red, Marissa. I, know, I, I love it. I love it. I got embarrassed. But in all reality, I mean, I think we really respected each other's positions on money and respected that each other had earned um you know, money and acquired assets separately. And we really haven't even fully combined our finances yet. We've been married for a year and a half. Um, I feel like that's important too, to have some boundaries there. Um, not just, you know, dive into it, even if you're diving into a relationship head first, um, mm-hmm. you know, on the ro- romance side, and even if you get engaged quickly or married or whatever, um, I don't think that it all needs to... Um, merge right yeah, away. Yeah, right, merge right away, yeah. Um, but it, but it is a reality I think in our in our field is that sometimes you know you can't trust the people that, yeah, that are, are after you you know what I mean like 
there's a lot of that, and especially in my world, there was a I've seen it all the time of of, of people that pretended to get, you could be trusted, and that comes from not only business owners but women and girls, and and obviously like he's and, had, and, he's and other 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 uh, teammates and things like that that have gotten really burned by people that just were out for the money. You see it all the time, yeah. but you know we've all seen it. But it, it actually really is like that. As much as you think that sometimes you don't even see it coming, like it literally, it, it just it happens quite a bit. Yeah, since you brought that up, um, I think uh, a few months ago in the in the news there was the, the professional hockey player where the parents had uh, taken the money, invested the money, and ten million dollars gone. Mm. And parents, you mm. figure that they would have your best interests at heart, but uh, so so when you when is there are there opportunities for athletes to actually educate themselves with money? Uh, do they provide? Do the clubs, the teams, um, associations actually provide yeah, I education? I was when you were talking about the pension deductions and and the numbers mm-hmm. and stuff. I was like, I, I didn't, I don't know, but I was curious as too. Did somebody come and speak to you guys to be like, this is what's going on? These are how the numbers work? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's not so much the numbers work. It's just that this is this is what this they is are. What it is. <laughs> yeah, okay. this is so what's that's going part on. Part of being in a union, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is a good uh, uh, you know feather that you you can have as an athlete. Is most sportsmen are, are under unions and um, so now it's just like it's one of those things where you have to put trust in people that are, are around your support system and that as an athlete is generally pretty good through sponsors or through f- teammates or you know all that kind of stuff there's generally if you are interested which I think is the first step is just having the clubs and people say guys you have to be interested in this at least enough where you kind of know what's going on that's kind of where I get to I, I, I kind of know what's going on but I don't really know what's going on <laughs> I have to, to utilize your resources. yeah but I have a lot of friends that do and I use them all the time and I think as an athlete, you learn that over time, too, is who to trust. I kind of got burned on that one. That probably won't happen to me again, mm-hmm. you know, because now I've learned my lesson. But, right. th- th- you know, name your athlete that's had a pretty decent career, and they'll tell you how many times they've gotten burned by people that they wanted to invest in. Right, or a financial advisor. Yeah, or, or, or a girl. <laughs> or a girl. <laughs> For instance, yeah, like all that kind of stuff, yeah. you know. But, find it, you know, it is, a, it is kind of a dangerous game that, that we all play. But, you know, athletes in general, that, that's definitely something we have to look out for. It's interesting because we're not taught those things, which is why, you know, we talk about it a lot in terms of financial literacy for youth and where where do we learn these things. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the times we are picking up beliefs and uh, stories that we heard as kids. You know, you might have seen some success at a young age or heard some stuff about real estate and then you've taken it and have used Mm -hmm. it to build wealth, Mm -hmm. you know, and because you've gone out obviously and educated yourself, as Jay mentioned, you Mm -hmm. you know a lot about it. Mm -hmm. Which is great, but it's interesting. Um, I think I think we have experiences thrown at us for sure, like the mm. girl, we'll call it, or the yeah. <laughs> you know the people that unfortunately you can't trust. That oftentimes probably are good lessons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Curious? Can I change? Do you want to continue on that? Can I ask another question? Um, what role does does sport and competition and I mean fitness in general play in your lives now? Now that you are not doing it for money, like how how has it stayed a part of your life? If it ha- I'm assuming it has. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I still am skiing for money. I suppose in a sense. I, okay. I, um, I take guests skiing on Whistler Black Home. It's part of their Ski with an Olympian program, and uh, I do some filming and photo oh, shoots. I want to come on that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's lots of fun. It's kind of, again, me doing what I love and earning money doing it. Yeah. Um, but I've actually ended up 
doing a lot more mountain biking than skiing over the last few years, I think, because that remained my fun-focused sport throughout, okay. um, you know, the course of my life when skiing became my job at one point. I'm a little bit, not, I wouldn't say I'm burnt out on it, but... Was it still, less of your fun focus? Um, you called mountain biking your fun focus. I've always loved mountain biking more than skiing, and I think part of that is because skiing did become my job, and it was, yeah. uh, you know, it was full-time, like, really majorly full-time, like, I didn't have time for anything else yeah. um, for a lot of years, so... Mountain biking was always kind of my, where I, how I'd sort of relax and just pure enjoyment as opposed to pressure. Um, so I've definitely, like, I've, I've tried to structure my life so that I have enough freedom and flexibility in my schedule so that I can go and do those sports. Um, and, I mean, it's, that's, that's yeah. an advantage to have um, seen the success I did thanks to all the, the hard work I put in and how to, how to pay off. Um, both Jay and I, now that we are technically retired, have a lot more flexibility in our schedules. So mm-hmm. um, I, lo- I look at working out nowadays as far as, uh, you know, more as a recreational thing by, by no means. You know, again, I, I start to, uh, I, I understand that's important. Like working out is just in your general day-to-day activity is, is something that's really good for you mm-hmm. and for your mind. You know, so I think I think both of us understand that side of, of, of why we are active. So I think that's that for me is my biggest motivation. Um, not it's not to like beat somebody or to, mm-hmm. to, to, to get you know competitive again. I'm kind of I've kind of lost the competitive edge when it comes to just recreational sports. If I'm not getting paid for it, then I can just relax and enjoy it. You know, and I don't treat it like a job, so to speak. So. But I, we both do find we're a lot more productive when we have had some exercise or enjoyed some yeah. beautiful scenery or fresh air. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's also, like Ashley touched on in the beginning uh, of, of, of her, her um, statement there, but just using our sports to now make money mm-hmm. as, as, a, as, a new, as a new job. Mm-hmm. Because there's no reason why both of us have a, a wealth of experience that we can't use that experience as, on a business level to make sure that we're continuing to try to not only give back to our sports, mm-hmm. um, but also to use that as a way that we can start to make money as a, as a, as a team or as a couple, because why wouldn't we? And again, and it's smart on so many different levels. Yeah. And so that's the plan. That's kind of our focus right now is we want to get this rise and shine retreat started up in Pemberton rise and shine. The Jay Demerit story is the name of the documentary that was made. Yes, I saw that. Mm-hmm. And so this is kind of a spinoff to continue sharing that message um, of perseverance. Is this, and determination. Is, this, is this something that you guys came up with together? This idea? Yeah. Jay's always, you've always kind of wanted to do some form of a soccer camp, right? Yeah. And then it's turned into something. And then different. Ashley had the land. So it was kind of like, hey, we should use this land to create this whatever, you know, because then I was like, oh, I've always wanted to do this thing with the camps and the overnight stuff and mm-hmm. all that kind of thing. So then it was just kind of, yeah, it's just like, well, perfect. We have 10 acres in Pemberton. It's a perfect place to do that. What's your timeline goal on that? This year. This yeah. Hopefully we'll, we'll get going on it we and making sure. Because sure, there's going to be structures involved and all sorts of stuff like Several that to build the to facility through, itself. Which we're good at, <laughs> um, so. but the like the short term vision is to do soccer camps, um, like even this fall, and then longer term vision is to open it up to summer training for winter sports athletes, mm-hmm. and then we want it to be kind of more of a health and wellness retreat when it's not being used for camps, um, which I'd love to get involved in the programming for at some point and take people mountain biking and skiing and enjoying the, for the, the capital core financial uh, corporate retreat for next yeah. year yeah the yes. corporate retreat I'm just in. to plug our sponsors capital yeah, core that was strategically placed I'm glad that you saw that excellent well I can't believe that uh, one hour is now up yeah. uh, I can to have a conversation maybe you might not want to I think but we should talk about how awesome we would be playing soccer together we gotta admit we gotta admit oh well and also you said 
you'd love just to play. So if I need an extra man on yeah. the team, you're up. Potentially, yeah. Potentially. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah. Strong, but still yeah. on injury stuff. Yeah, I'm still on <laughs> This was great to have you guys because I think so many topics that we've been talking about uh, over the past 12 episodes, uh, largely around perseverance, hard work, you know, understanding your numbers, living within your means is a big thing that comes up all the time. Ashley, you talked about budgeting. Um, and also, you know, the things that we picked up at a young age. That's great that you picked up Live Within Your Means. Mm -hmm. A large percentage of the population, 80, didn't pick that up. So it's nice to hear that, you know, two people who have had such success and have put so much effort forward in terms of pushing your professional sport career ahead. And I love hearing the contingency plan and the entrepreneur uh, <laughs> approach that you both have. So thank you for joining yeah, us. Yeah, thanks Our for pleasure. joining us. Yeah, yeah. Thanks yeah. Thanks great. And uh, if thank you for. Yeah. Well, no, sorry, no, go, no, ahead. go ahead. What are you going to say? No, Ladies I, first. I was going to close. Just yeah, close well, I was just going to say know. thank you for, for listening in. Hopefully, you enjoyed uh, today's show. Really overlapping on each and other. And you can today. always go to the podcast <laughs> and. Go ahead. Why don't you finish it off? <laughs> no, you can say go to the podcast, listen in, and we should say our tagline together at the end. Well, have a wealthy week. Thank you for tuning in this week. Please join Franco Calagiri and Marissa Sipolinski again for another edition of Conversations with Money next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wealthy week. Music.